listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food. I don't think we're going to be talking about drink uh, today. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. Hi there, Ollie. I know I'm going to have real trouble today, I can tell. Uh, yeah, I think you might have to adopt what I'm going to call the schoolmistress approach. Because mm. I sense that being in a room with an entrepreneur, a chef, and I, well, and, and, and another, another entrepreneur, entrepreneur and a chef, and a chef, and a fishmonger, and all sorts of other things, and a few beers, I think you could be in you trouble. Have real trouble trying to uh, trying yeah. to you know sort of corral this um, properly. So um, the reason why is because we've really had trouble going on air because I couldn't get all these guys to shut up. So um, <laughs> I know I'm going to struggle all the way through it. Um, they've got so many amazing things to say. So um, welcome um, so much, Adam Byatt, who is. Chef Patron, love saying that. At Trinity, welcome. Adam. Uh, thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah, and Robin Moxon of Moxons. Hi Hello. there. Hi. Love your t-shirt. Thank you very much. So you're wearing a you blue a t-shirt. Theme, yeah? yeah, and um, sort of where the sort of pocket should be, there, there's um, a, a sort of tail of a fish hanging out. It goes out. all the way in. Yeah, it's really really clever. Really like that. Um, so just as a little bit of background. Adam is an Essex-born chef, restaurateur and food writer, uh, Michelin-starred Trinity in Clapham, which is where I was born and where I went to school. He he started his career at 16 in Claridges. Correct, yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to just start anywhere. No, that's right. I was very lucky lucky to get an apprenticeship there, yeah. Yep, and you now own and run Trinity and the more casual upstairs at Trinity. Um, together with, you've got Bistro Union as well, I think. That's right, you? on the other side of Clapham on Abbeville Road, yeah. Yep. Regular on Saturday Kitchen and appeared on Celebrity MasterChef, Great British Menu, just go on and on and on. It does. It does. An institution in Clapham. It is. Thank you. And uh, Robin Moxham is the urban fishmonger. Oh, yeah. You describe us that often. Um, (laughs) You like to celebrate the British coast by supplying your four fishmongers across London and now Moxham's next door with daily catches from Newlyn and Cornwall and Plymouth and Brixham, which I've been to several times in Devon. Peterhead, Scalloway in the Shetland Islands, New Haven in Sussex, and London's Billingsgate Market. Very good, very good. You've got fishmongers in Clapham. So you must know, Adam. I think also where you were born, right next to where you were born. Probably, I doubt it. Clapham South. Yes. Yeah, that's next to the old hospital. Ah. Now at Tesco's. But Robin's first foray into uh, Clapham was in a restaurant, actually, which is the first one that I ever bought. So there you go. So you met. two are intertwined. Mm. Um, and you also have your own smokehouse in Wimbledon, as if yeah, that's not did, enough. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. But yeah, we've got... Yeah, it is enough yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So, Ollie, um, in some of the programmes uh, recently, we've been saying how hard it is to be in the restaurant business and, and, you know, in food service and whatever. It's a pretty ruthless and tough business. And these guys have, have, have made a real success of it. But wouldn't underestimate how difficult it is to get there. No, I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, well, are you using just for men? Um, I mean, most of us around the table are grey, you know, and I think, you know, it, it, it's a testimony, I think, to the fact that, you know, actually, I think both chefs and also people who work in, in supplying really quality produce have, you know, incredible hours they're working and it's, you know, an incredibly volatile industry. Mm. And I'm sure both of them can, you know, have, you know, have first-hand experience of the ups and downs we've had in London over the last 10 years, 15 years, you know, mm. two years, mm. weeks, you know. I mean, when I was born in Clapham, which I'm afraid to say was in the early 60s, it was just the most awful place. And, you know, riots were going on, Brixton riots around the corner and all that sort of stuff. Clapham Common was pretty dodgy. You know, it was it was a really quite run-down place. I went there a few years ago. Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah. I've like, it out now. It's like gone chee-chee. You are the mayor of Clapham. Right? Yeah. You could <laughs> get in Clapham. It was 20 years ago, you couldn't get a clap to... Cab to Clapham. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. And they say Clapton, all right, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 Clapham, yeah. oh, not Clapham. going there, mate. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and the school, you know, had locks on it and, you know, all sorts of things, which is incredibly dodgy. Yeah. We still do. Um, but, but actually, I think that food can really help regenerate uh, an area. Yeah. You know, having yeah. good cafes, good restaurants yeah. can be a driver of, of getting a community together and, and, and getting a sense of community. Mm. Um, and Clapham's probably a little bit. Mm, what am I going to say? It's the sort of place you would live, Ollie. Doesn't no. suit me. It's quite bohemian. <laughs> it is bohemian. Mm. It's 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 um it's yeah. villagey though. It's, it's villagey, villagey, I guess. It's much more it's villagey. It, it's lost a little it's bit quite of its realness. Mixed, though. It's me. mixed and it's quite it's fun as well. Clapham. Yeah. I, I love Clapham. I live around yeah. there for a long time. There's people like me there. And the common is amazing. Yeah. The common. yeah. Mm. Uh, when I first was looking to take the restaurant off for Robin, I walked up on the pavement and there's an amazing butchers there called Moen and Son. That's right. And I walked in and it was a little bit like you were saying. It was quite a sort of dodgy salubrious area and I walked into that butcher's and I thought this is absolutely stunning selling everything from foie gras to veal brains and calves liver and everything you can imagine mm. and I thought hang on this is this has got something going for it so I think you're right absolutely food is a, a big driver for generate yeah, yeah. So can we, we, what we'd really like to do is talk about butchers and fishmongers uh, at mm. the moment. So if I can just start off with um, fishmongers, I'm just going to give you a, bit of a few facts here, just in case you don't know. Um, the Fishmongers Company is one of the 12 great livery companies of the City of London. Are you a member? No, I'm not. Oh, you're not? No. And they are, oh. they are among the most ancient of the city guilds. For over 700 years, they've upheld standards in the trading of fish and shellfish and supported the fisheries industry. You should be. And Billingsgate, you should really. Billingsgate is the country's largest and oldest fish market. Now, I had the great pleasure of being shown round Billingsgate. No, obviously, it's moved now. It's um, yeah. soon uh, to move again. Oh, is it? Yeah, you should do as well, again. really. It's a bit, yeah. It was a little bit run down when I went around yeah. there, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Um, and I had the privilege of being shown round. Um, I think I arrived there about three, half past three in the morning. When it's just beginning to kick off. Yeah. The most amazing breakfast there. Oh, well, everyone Great said they have a good breakfast. breakfast. Yeah, good yeah. old-fashioned breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No pubs, I'm afraid. No pubs. No. no. You can't get... And then, um, and then when you go round, I, I actually think that um, Smithfields is 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 got it much better organised. I think than yeah. Billingsgate, but but the Billingsgate you go around, you just see the most amazing, um, you know, amount of fish. Mm. Um, and my favourite bit was going to um, well, all the eel drawers, as yeah, I yeah, call yeah. them. You pull out yeah, these yeah. drawers, and they've got water running through, and it's full of sort of live, live eels, eels, isn't yeah. it? Or from usually from Northern Ireland, yeah, beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, huge money. And then Huge right one. at the back, there's all the lobster tanks. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but there is quite a lot of um, fish not 
fished around these waters, and I think a lot of the a lot of the, the the fish guys there were a little bit upset about the fact that it wasn't just you know British fish that yeah, fish well, in the waters. It's a lot of uh, uh, Sri Lankan uh, yeah. suppliers and good suppliers there, and from all over. But um, I think nowadays, perhaps a lot of the, the fish is getting bypassed from the market. Yeah. So that's one of the problems. So. Um, but it is. It doesn't look like English water fish, if you could do mm. that. It is something yeah. very, very different. But it's interesting. I, I mean, I was there a few Saturdays ago, and Saturday's a very different day. So yeah. I, mm. I leave Highbury at sort of, you know, 6.15. I'm there by 6.45. Yeah. And actually, you know, it doesn't close until sort of 7.30, 7.45, because they know they've got retail customers coming in. And what's interesting is the diversity of the groups who's mm. there, because it's not... It, you know, it's not the restaurateurs at that time of day. It's a really international crew who are buying quite specific things. Um, and it's a really, you know, it's, a re- it's got a really great buzz to it. I, I mean, I love going It's got a great, uh, all markets have a great buzz, yeah. but it's particularly got a good buzz, I think. The other thing that struck me is I was, I was being shown around by um, um, some chefs, actually. And, and then when you go around the back, you've got a whole team of people who are doing nothing but filleting the fish that yeah, the restaurants yeah. have bought. Lot work. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are incredible. So so somebody would buy a huge, you know, beautiful, you know, they'd go around and pick what they wanted in terms of having fish in the restaurants. And then you've got these guys at the back who are literally filleting what they've done, keeping all the heads, all the, you know, all, all the bones and all that sort of stuff. And then they're wrapping up and then you can see, oh, well, that one's for that famous restaurant that you know and that one's for that famous restaurant. And one of the things that they were saying, Robin, is that actually a lot of chefs can't, actually fillet fish or do those things anymore because they're not trained to. Yeah, I is mean... That, I, is that true? Well, I... Um, Easy. Yeah, no, no, I think in Adam's <laughs> restaurant, I did... I mean, I don't supply restaurants. There's one of the yes, things yes, I, yes. I, I try not to do. Mm. I do sell a bit to Adam and Adam always takes it whole. And I think sometimes they're taught differently and... No, I probably probably a lot can't fill it and fill it efficiently because it's to learn to fill it fish. You need to do a lot of one fish in front Absolutely. of someone who's quick yeah. and try and race them or be as good as them and be judged on your consistency. So it's something you need to stand next to. Yeah, you can't do one of this, one of that, and, and be a fish of, at it. What a lot of these know? guys are saying is you, you don't have the facilities in in, in a restaurant. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's because it's. You know, it's messy. It's and messy. You need loads of water. Yeah. Yeah. Time-consuming. It's labour-intensive. Yeah, it's it's labor intensive, yeah, yeah. And people mm. don't want to do it. Mm. I was very lucky. I had my apprenticeship at Claridge's Hotel, as you said. We had a fishmongery there, a butchery there. So I spent six months of my life in the fishmongery at Claridge's. So mm. all of my fishmongery skills are solid, and we pass them on to the team. So we buy everything. Exactly. Whole, exactly. So, so the other thing that um, um, I was doing quite a lot of work on was, was government project which I won't bore you with um, but but is looking at the different sorts of, of varieties of fish and the different sort yeah. of cuts of fish and all that sort of thing and the problem with the British public is often they're so wedded to I need cod, I need haddock, yeah, I, I need... I, how do we get them onto other things? Well, I, I, well, I, I disagree with that. I'm afraid to... I think, ah. the, I think the British... I mean, in my shops we have a huge range of mix of people but British people generally are up for trying anything. They travel a lot. They'll eat this and that. If you go around here, there's all different foodstuffs. No, I think they will try it. If you can, if you're confident, and you can deliver it, and you, you know you can back it up, they will try it. You know, and they trust you. They will try it. Hmm. So we sell every type of fish, and we sell probably thirty, forty species a day. Wow! All different things. Wow. We'll buy all sorts of things. Weaver fish. You know, we sell cod cheeks, cod lugs, cod tongues. We sell monkfish liver. We sell, uh, mm. you know, each and you know, it's fun. You know, it's interesting for people to come in every day. I think people will try. I mean, I do love good cod. I mean, I do love good cod, mm. and I'd, often these things are 
popular because they are really good. But uh, a piece that, of amazing, beautiful roasted no, you fresh can't, cod. I mean, you can't beat it. it. I mean, it's a great and deep fried as well. Cod from mm. Peterhead. Fried. Peterhead cod, cod is, is the best. Stunning. Was great. Yeah. Peterhead. I'm not. I'm not mad on scraker. No, I don't like scraker. Great marketing. It's a bit no. Bit excellent rough. marketing. A bit yeah. chewy for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great endorsement. You heard that one down. You heard it here. Yeah, you heard yeah. it. Here. Peterhead. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think what's interesting is, is that I mean, I'm, I shop in your Islington store. Yeah. Oh, good. good. Um, and so Robbie and all the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So know them well. They know me well. And um, you, you, you do supply a very, very broad range of of fish. But if you go to your average Tesco's. Yeah. You probably haven't been there. It's a big supermarket chain yeah. that, you know, they're all over the country. Um, they have, I mean, their selection is diabolical. Yeah. That it's not, it's not just that, fish. though. It's so, so old. I know. Uh, you look at yeah. it and it's, I mean, I think Waitrose probably just about is the only supermarket you can yeah, get. But I, I did it. But a, you know what? It's so, so, it's just not fresh. It's not. But we did a test. There was a test, I think it was with the Daily Mail and the aged fish that was from our shop, but it was a blind thing. Our shop, our cod was two, three days old. The supermarket fish with a scientific test they did it was over two weeks old. Yeah. And, um, and it looks like... It does look like it, but yeah. one of the things with fish, even if you eat a rotten bit of white fish, it won't do you any harm. No. Otherwise, it should be condemned. Yeah. You know, we're, we're still condemned. It. So it's, it is, there's no health risk with it, but... It just doesn't if you, taste like If you should. go into a major retailer and you buy a, what should be a good piece of food and you taste it, you've gone into a reputable deal, you know supermarket and you eat a piece of cod and you go well cod's horrible isn't it mm. I'm not eating that again yeah and that's one of the problems that's we have people off, I actually started work for Tesco's when I first in the business and I worked for one store in Guildford there was like the Sir Ian McLaurin ran Tesco's then and his wife was mad on fish and he liked fish and they had it for the PR for the whole for the whole company and so we'd get very different supplies. And it was nice. It was great at a time. Yeah. yeah. But then it all got to the point where so they don't buy British fish. They buy Norwegian fish because then they can talk to people who want to, you know, forward supply them this and everything like that. Mm. But fish is difficult. Yes. It's difficult. You get it. You don't get it. You know, it, you know, you... But Robin, it's not difficult to cook. No, no, really. it's not difficult. It's and what not... I don't understand about British people is, you know, you know, they'll cook a steak at home, which actually yeah. I think is harder to cook than a piece of fish. It's so easy to get that wrong. Um, and, and yet you can do so many amazing meals without actually being a very good cook no, you... if you've got the right fish yeah, or, yeah. or the right seafood. Actually, one of my favourite conversations with your team in, in Islington was on Valentine's Day where I went in as usual to buy my weird collection of fish. And I decided I wanted to do sardines as one of the three different fish I was cooking. And I was told very clearly that sardines was not a fish to eat on Valentine's. <laughs> it was that Roberto. And I, yeah. And I was like, hang on a second. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's, let's deal with this. Like, yeah. you know, let's play a bit. But I actually think one of the interesting things that, so, you know, the Instagram account for Great British Chefs has you know, 40, 50, 60,000 followers. And one of the things that gets the most likes on Instagram for us, admittedly, it's a very foodie audience, a very particular audience, is crispy fish skin. Because yeah. people look at it and they do, to your point about how things are hard, actually getting a really good crispy fish yeah, skin is really hard. Of course. Mm. And I consider it like a lifelong ambition to try and actually really nail that. And I've watched a number of chefs do it. And it's, so I think, you know, really cooking fish well is difficult. Don't you I mean? Mm, it's not that difficult. I don't, I, yeah. Well, you're a chef. <laughs> you, I mean, you it depends, know, it depends what it is. For those of us mere yeah. marketeers, yes, you know. Sorry. But fish, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think cooking a piece of fish is a damn sight easier than cooking a piece of steak. Yeah, or if a lamb the, chop. If or the something. fish is great, mm. right, 
as wherever you possibly can, just cook the fish on the bone. Never we take it off the bone. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the worrying thing, though, um, Robin, is UK fishmongers, there used to be around seven to 8,000 uh, in, in the 1940s, which was sort of heyday. We're down to 900 independent yeah. operations. You, you know, and is it because people are frightened of it or is it because the supermarkets really have taken that away I know a lot of people eat fish when they go to restaurants actually yeah. but, but but maybe don't prepare it at home well, well, what's the difference because people did used to cook fish yeah I, I think it's got I think it's got really the last couple of this year in particular for us has been absolutely amazing and the fish is a mainstream thing when, when I used to tell people I used to I, I sell fish they'd look like you're weird Probably I'm weird. Probably always have been weird. It wasn't, but, you know. But it was it was a real minority for food stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was really you know you ate it perhaps once every month or something, Friday. something like that. And now it's a normal thing that people eat. But it but the whole thing with the, the high streets have changed. The structure of the high streets, the supermarkets sort of took out a lot of the small local shops. A lot of the older guys didn't want to compete, and and they weren't really replaced. And so my shops are all in really central London, where there's no sort of big supermarkets and whatnot. People don't know what they're doing from day to day. So we open very late. It's convenient. And, yeah. you know, and we yeah. serve people. And we have very strict rules in the shop. My staff can't cross their arms because it's, you know, when you when you go into the shop where you, you know, you know, I'd like a bit of fish. It's not what fish do you want. Or oh, we've got this and this. And we try and educate people yeah. for them to enjoy it. And we... And, from when I used to work with horses, we, we try and make a positive reaction. Something I learned to every time you come in the shop, you know, it's, but we've got this, 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 look at this, this, mm. this. But you offer service, Robin. I yeah, we that, offer that's, service. That's and often you missing know, on the high street. Now. Yeah, and, mm. and it's, I mean, hopefully every time you, you come in, it should be a positive experience. It's one of the things we do when we sell a good product and you can't really beat a nice bit of fish. I, I do eat fish a lot. I like meat, I like everything, but I had a bit of wild sea trout on Saturday and it, uh, oily fish, it's in season, and it's clean, and it that oily it makes you feel so good. Yeah, I mean, it gives definitely. you a real positive mm. feeling. You know, it, you know, it's very good for your well, you know, wellness. That's what we're many, but it's good for you. It's good mm. for you. But I think delicious. I think the interesting challenge in, on on fish in the UK is, you know, so if I look at, so I live in Islington, and we used to have Steve Hat, yeah. and only Steve Hat, in you know, back, yeah. in, you know, sort of ten years ago. And now we've got Steve Hat, and we have Moxons. We now have Born. Up, which is closer to my house up in Highbury Barn. So there are now three, you know, I'm going to say very good fishmongers yeah. who are all doing a really good thing. But actually, I find whenever I'm out, you know, by the coast in a lot of places, there just aren't those kinds no. of quality so, fish so, I, so I'm really lucky because I, I live um, in Hythe, which is near Folkestone. So I live on the sea. I can see the sea from my house. And we're really lucky because we do have a fishmongers who, who supply all the restaurants. And have been there for years? Been there for don- very rare, donkey yeah. years, decades and decades. Very rare. You know, and and it, I mean, they open from seven till one. You know, yeah. and and you go in, and it's the it's the freshest. Yeah. Well, because they stay, yeah, they of course, they, 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 they do all the restaurants. Yeah, yeah. So so you know, you go in there, and and they, they've just started um, uh, supplying food for you to eat, which is yeah. it's like a real thing for them. So I went and had the most um, uh, you know amazing kedgeree for breakfast sitting so on the eat, beach. In, eat in the shop? <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Well no, just outside the shop on the oh. beach uh, which, which okay. was amazing. So it's interesting because they've started drawing a whole number of other people into the shop which possibly would have thought that fish wasn't for them yeah. you know, in terms of cooking. Mm. Um, and, oh god, we're just so lucky because they're so rare to get that as mm. you said, Ollie. I mean it's you really are. rare. You are, but it's... Mm. But I think one of the other things I was going to say is that actually, you know, obviously we've done a lot of research into who's eating and who's not eating certain stuff. 
And what you can really see is that it's an older generation who have generally embraced a broader spectrum of fish, whereas a younger generation, there are higher numbers of people who, you know, say, I don't like fish, I don't eat fish. And I think London is increasingly different on that, and yeah. foodies are different on that. But actually, the you know, the, I think the existential threat to, to fish actually comes in engaging the younger population, which I think, you know, you're, you're probably safer in yeah. London, but I think if you look at the, the UK as a whole, and you know, actually, yeah, it's, it's much more complicated. When I start, mm. when I opened the first shop in Clapham, we used to get a lot of people walk past, and um, and I started selling lemons and parsley because you knew half of them were having a gin and tonic in about ten minutes' time, <laughs> and they were dying for a lemon, and then they would come and buy a lemon, re- realize we were nice, normal people, and they go, "Oh yeah, you, you've got a bit of fish here." So that, that's one of the sort things of we did. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of young people are so used to sort of processed fish in 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 supermarkets in a breaded fish form or in a battered form, fish or whatever. Yeah, all that sort of already. stuff. And I think that's that's how they know fish. So actually, when you're presented with a piece of actual raw, mm. fresh loin of fish, it's um, it, it can be daunting. Yeah, yeah. But I think also actually interesting in the UK, we've also had a number of chefs here. I mean, I think of Nathan Outlaw, who's you know, whose restaurant is absolutely, in my opinion, extraordinary and remains one of the, you know, I mean, beacons of, mm. of you know, food and fish in the UK. And then you've got people like Tom Brown, you know, mm. who obviously, you know, worked with Nathan and, you know, doing amazing things at Cornerstone. So I think there are also chefs who are specialising in fish and that is, I think, helping challenge perception. And what I would mm. like to do is I'd, I'd like to do a little call out for uh, fishermen, actually, because I think they are yeah. hugely forgotten and... Um, policed to death uh, in some respects um and if you do go down to brixham whatever you may think of trawlers um you know those guys are out there five or six days at a time it's pretty it can be really quite rough and it is one of the most dangerous occupations in the world you know and then these guys will spend five or six days in the most horrendous conditions actually and come back for all of us to eat this fish and and I, one of the things that everyone sort of says they buy day boat I buy mainly day boat fish when I can yeah. but we need a mixed fleet because it, because it does get blowy in this country yeah. and there's some good boats good bigger boats out there who do a fantastic job otherwise we wouldn't better do it you know, provide fish, mm. you know, like I do six days a week. But I, 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 ra- you know, I rather think they are unsung heroes as yeah, opposed yeah. to these massive, huge factory boats yeah, that yeah. are going up in the North Sea, you know, dread, you know yeah. bringing in lots of Have you of been cost. out on a boat? Um, no, you know, well, I haven't been allowed because for health and safety you have to go through all this training, you have oh, to do this, you? that and the other, so, because it's so dangerous. It's, yeah. a, it's a dangerous occupation. Um, and these guys say that, you know, in the old days you used to come back, you'd get off the boat and people would, you know, sort of welcome you. You sort of walk down the yeah. quay and you'd be sort of heroes. Celebrated. Really yeah. celebrated, mm, yeah. Mm. Come back with your catch and all that sort of stuff. But, it, but it's still very, very, very dangerous. It's the last sort of legal hunting job. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, and it uh, must be... Yeah, it must be I'd, like, I'd love to do it. I've always wanted a boat. I've yeah, always yeah. wanted a boat, but I can't. I mean, I can't. But I've always wanted to do loads of things. Mm. Yeah, it's better. I've got time, yeah. <laughs> um, Four restaurants, one smoke, yeah, 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 and a boat. Yeah, yeah. So, Adam, if we can, if we can move from you know the, the fishmongers, and if you haven't been to your local fishmongers, and you do have one, you know, why not go in there? Because nearly all of them will will want to talk to you and help you and 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 give you recipes, won't they? Yeah, uh, and I think definitely. I think I think generally you you know there are easier things to do in life. Mm. Generally, most fishmongers have a passion for what they do. And want to share that with you. Yeah, It's a product with a shelf life, so it's never yeah, yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need to sell it. So, Adam, if we can uh, move on to uh, butchers. Now, I know you, you uh, as we said before, provide all sorts of things in, in your restaurant. 
but but obviously butchery is well, it's got to be one of the oldest professions in the world, <laughs> uh, food and beverage, um, and you know d- domesticating livestock, and then again like like fishmongers butchers form these guilds um, in England as far back as 1272, apparently, but over the last 25 years the number of independent butchers in the UK has reduced by 60 percent. Um, again, probably uh, the influence of the large supermarket chains, I'm afraid to say. Um, and now the average British family spends £12.50 a week on meat and meat preparations and £12.60 on alcohol and fags, <laughs> which puts it in context. Amazing. Your research, that, your that research is, has shown... That is a terrifying <laughs> Yeah, your research has shown that the sort of butchers have sort of diminished quite a bit, but you feel they're coming back, don't you? Well, it, again, I think it's the same with with all stuff in the high-end food world, which is that the people who are prepared to go into, you know, I, I love um, Turner and George. It's my favourite butcher in London. And, you know, if you go into Turner and George and you buy you know, a really good piece of steak or bought some of the Ibirico pork the other day, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's not cheap. Um, but I think, you know, foodies are prepared to go and find that stuff and seek it out. And, you and know, pay for it. Yeah. And pay for it. But it, mm. but it costs, it costs, I mean... I bought some lamb chops the other day. I mean, they're eye-wateringly expensive if you buy good ones. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, no, but, but I, there is nothing better. You see, I would have that, well, I don't know, once yeah. once a month or once a fortnight because it's a massive treat and they should treat. be treated. No. You know, it's, and that uh, statistic you, you quoted, I, th- I was thinking maybe that's to do with the fact that there's a slight downturn towards eating meat and people eating more vegetables, but that that's actually nothing to do with that. No, no. it's not. That's just I mean, it's also cheap moves. meats, which for cheap me is expensive yeah, because it has an expensive meat. effect I do think that there is a movement towards eating less meat and eating better quality yep. spending that same spending money properly and, and and eating less of it i do think there's a movement towards that which i which i think is great so um you, you know you own um trinity and um you've been awarded oh, london restaurant of the year uh three aa rosettes and been voted in the top 10 restaurants in london by both um hardens and all sorts of other people um what, how, what is your attitude towards meat in terms of the restaurant? What, what, what's your sort of ethos and what think, do you do? I, um, I, think, I think we have a responsibility to service our clients with the very best product we can when they arrive in the restaurant. You know, there's little point in me offering a product they can get anywhere near the quality of that at home um, or the cookery for that matter, but, but the product is where it all starts and that's, that we take very passionately, we care a lot about, we've invested tons of time into finding those amazing suppliers in this country that supply the very best we have a single supplier for flour for eggs a single supplier for vanilla a single guy who supplies our chickens a sing- you know it goes on and on we have way too many suppliers which is not an economical decision it's a bad economical decision actually um it would be easier for me to do a one-stop shop but that is the principle by which we run the restaurant so it's absolutely um, for you. It's absolutely getting the best ingredients. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's mm. the it's the beginning of everything. And do you know what? Because we buy so well, it means we have to do very little, and we and we are understanding of that. We're respectful of the product that comes in, and we try to do as little as we possibly can with the product when it comes mm. in because it is so phenomenal. And and Robin was talking about um, in terms of fish. You know, you got you, you got <coughs> some, what I would call slightly stranger or Cinderella, let's say, cuts mm. of you know, fish. 
Yeah. Good notes, lovely. It's, it's, my just, it's, my it's just difficult <laughs> to fill Difficult to buy. Difficult, <laughs> difficult to, to buy. buy. We'll fill it all for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, the fishmongers yeah. are pinball. Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't like that. You know, but people, have, you, you've, you, if you said that they're eating sort of fish liver or they're eating yeah, cod yeah. cheeks or whatever, mm. well, there's some amazing cuts of meat mm. that, that people shy away from. Well, I was talking the, about that Iberico port. tastes fantastic. You know, the, the presser or the pluma of Iberico port, that's a very lovely, lovely thing that you don't see very often. So what is that? It's inside the shoulder of the Iberico port the pork that you get the blackfoot pig that makes the amazing ham obviously you have to imagine that ham had a whole body attached to it and that body <laughs> ends up being processed into meat and often frozen down so all those products generally come frozen but Iberico pork loin Iberico presser or pluma is absolutely outstanding it's not cheap but it's certainly not at the sort of top end of expensive either um, but the marbling and the way you can cook it super pink and it's you beautiful. Can. I cook it all That's a, bit, a special yeah. thing. I cooked it on the egg the other day. It was just like... It's, oh, it's the fat is very soft on it. And one of the things you were talking about with butchers earlier is like Turner and George. Years ago, you would uh, buy uh, meat like there were... Butchers would sell four animals, wouldn't really, you know, mm. sort of cows, pigs and sheep and chickens. Nowadays, they split it up. So you can buy... It's like buying wine. You can buy this from this and this from this. It's become more interesting. Mm. But it's mm. very strange that the, the, actually the basis of the business was that was a steak and that was a lamb chop. A piece of chicken, yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a lovely cut of, of, of beef, actually, called the picante, which is the picante is a triangle on the very top of the rump of beef. Um, it's quite common in Spain, but you can get the butcher to take it off. It's a little triangle on the top, sort of has the, the flavour of rump, but the, but the sort of texture of sirloin. The Bicante or the rump cap point, it's called. You should ask the butcher for that. They sell them in the ginger pig and moans and all those sort of butchers. They're I'm getting very, very, very hungry here, are you, Ollie? Um, <laughs> we use that for roast, roast beef in, the, yeah. in Bistro Union. We use yeah. that a lot. Um, that's a cracking piece of meat and a bit different as well. But I think that's what's also interesting is actually learning to cook things that actually, you know, have bones in them, mm -hmm. different. You know, I cooked... Um, uh, you know, a goat leg, of, you know, about a year ago. And that was just phenomenal. Mm. I mean, I think yeah. it's, you know, it's good. It's, the thing is, I think that we, you know, if you are a foodie, mm. the game is to push the boat. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, an experiment. I mean, goat's yeah, a funny exactly. thing, though, isn't it? It's, it's a lot more expensive than lamb. And we've been cooking it recently quite a lot, actually, in the restaurant because I really want to get it on the menu. But I'm just not convinced it's as good as lamb. And it's a lot more money. So you lamb. need to buy the new the cabrio. book called Goat. Yeah, so I've I went it, to the yeah. Guild of uh, yeah. Food Writers Awards a few few uh, months ago, and the guy who wrote that book, he's hilarious, and he's brilliant. A whole book yeah. is about different Have you tried things it? of goat. Yeah, mostly curried, though, which yeah, is a no, real I shame, but it's a real shame because lovely. I feel like I should try yeah. another thing. That's what I thought. I mean? yeah. So I've been buying saddles and uh, legs and shoulders. Experimenting. And really trying to get, to really like put it centre yeah. forward in the on the yeah. menu, but... And what about the other sorts of cuts that I think people who don't really realise that, that, that they can use, you know, like skirt and, and uh, things like that, which make the most amazing pies if, you know, if you, if you cook them in, in the right way or casseroles. People yeah. are always going for stewed meat, which is, you know, you go to some supermarkets and it's all diced up and it's like, that's not the right stuff to, yeah. to, to cook a most amazing. No, I would, be buying, I would be buying things that are more natural, like cheeks, beef cheeks or beef shin, 
buying those as sure, they are, yeah, and then exactly. dicing them up yourself, and then braising exactly. them in pieces, and then making your pie. It's much nicer. Oxtail's beautiful. Like Oxtail's well. best. It's I gorgeous. think oxtail is one of the best things there is. Actually, mm. I think it's amazing. And um, if you get a certain budget, you can get chicken oysters. You can get a, yeah. a nice big bag of chicken oysters and make a beautiful little fricassee with those with mushrooms and um, and and, and the cheapest cuts of meat you can find often. Yeah, but people yeah, and not be, and be, maybe understand. And you know how to what? Cook them. What we were saying about people buying, spending more money on meat. By eating it less regularly, but actually being being a bit more frugal with your cookery. So buy a, a really decent, expensive, big chicken, two kilo chicken. Make it, you know, feed a family of four with it. Make a make a simple salad with it. Make a stock from the bones. Make this from it. There's so many that we can get three meals out of a two kilo chicken in a, yeah. at home with a Which family of four. Yeah. And that chicken might have cost you know the better part of twenty pounds. But actually, yeah. I'll get I will feed the four of us at home three times with that chicken, no problem, easily. It was interesting. I was doing a barbecue the other so day, that's not expensive. and I was cooking was a Marcello Tully recipe for some um, pork ribs, and basically got you to to boil the ribs for you know. 90 minutes 100 years or something so I boiled them for 90 minutes at the end of it I just had this um, yeah Yeah. this amazing stock and that then became the base of a ramen ramen, an epic ramen that I then served to all of the whole family Mm. with a few noodles a bunch of vegetables Mm. and I'm like Mm. this is like you know in the old days, you'd just be like, free. Yeah, yeah, throw yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I just think that's part of that creativity about... When you spend your life making money space. out of food, you get used to doing no, it. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. but, but, but maybe <laughs> if you are spending, you know, if we're too used to cheap food. If you are spending, you mm. know, what you consider a lot yeah. of money on something, you will make it last because yeah. it's blimmin' expensive. Yeah. So of but that's how you make it not expensive. You see what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. But it's not, it's not difficult to do. Yeah. It just needs a little bit of... Um... And again, um, in, in the way that Robin's, you, you know, sort of developed his um, fishmongers, what advice would you give to butchers, you know, if you want to be at the, at the sort of community level in your in your community and be well, successful as a, 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 a butcher? Like, Who'd want to follow me? Is that he's like the Jesus Christ of um, But that is getting your, the best supplies, isn't it? Um I think Robin, the thing that Robin does is that he he's meticulous in the buying process. I've known Robin for a long, long time, and still to this day, he's this, he is the head buyer for the whole company. Still at this point, he could easily outsource that. I think you know, but actually, that is where principally the business is rises and falls. Well, and, and, your, with my, and your reputation. You know, yeah, you can't. You it's your reputation, isn't with, it? With fish, you could, with meat, you could get an old dairy cow, which yeah. people you can hang for a long time. With fish, there's no way back. You can't do anything with no. it. You you can't, no. you know, marinate it or anything like that. What's the point? Well, actually, you know? as, yeah. as far as I can tell, your guy, I shouldn't say this, the guys in the Islington office, um, whenever they've got a spare, they just seem to make soup and have a rather good meal. Yeah, they so, do. They do so seem rather to do good a bit. At, what worries me, they, they, they somehow always have ingredients for nice that. Turbot turb- soup. They're, they're big <laughs> prawns, curries and all that. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bone of contention. Yeah. No, but, you, you know, with fish particularly, you know, it, it doesn't get any better. Mm. So you're in a constant race, you're in constant fear. And, yeah. you know, people say about waste, we have very little waste in the business. Mm. But the only waste we really get is bits that don't come in right. It might mm. be handling, it might be, you know, bruising, or it might be just yeah. what they've been feeding on. Or it might not just be unfreshness, but that's the real waste we have. Mm. Same as us. I so think we, what you were you saying know, about stop it, you know? the business being quite brutal, that sort of high-end food business is brutal. But what Robin touched on there is that it's exciting, the fact that my product is continually going off. It's all on a clock all the time. So we buy, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of food every year and it's continually going off 
and then we have to move that food. It's our job and our responsibility yeah. to move it at the quickest possible place we can to get it as fresh as possible to the client. And how do you it's, keep um, in control of the quality, uh, just like Robin does? Are you just is that something you said consider your job? You know, as yeah, part I, I, of, of, yeah, of being chef. That sits, that sits firmly on my desk. Yeah, yeah, mm. because that's because that the business lives and dies by that. Yeah. As it should, I suppose. Yeah. And as you said, if you get that right, you don't have to do magic things nope. in the kitchen too much. No, nope. and it doesn't go off quickly, and we pay the right price, and we rate the right margin, and we can pay the staff, and we can continue to have a good business, yeah. Hmm. Any thoughts on these two guys here before we end the programme? No, I mean, you know, I, I think it's been, it's been I mean, great. they're successful because they've kept control, I think, of quality, and, and not refused to let that go. But I also think there's something about knowing your neighbourhood, and, you know, certainly, you know, I'd be doing I'd be doing Trinity to service to call it a neighbourhood restaurant, but it is. It is a neighbourhood. It's restaurant. an it's a restaurant yeah. that is. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, there are a certain number of them in London that are kind of yeah. icons of areas, and I think that you know one of the things that really matters in the food industry is do you understand your local consumer base, and I think if you do, then actually you can connect with them, and I think you know in both cases, you know, while you are shopping both north and south of the river, um, you know, you you connect with both, you know, with both communities yeah. and actually the groups of people there. I think that is. That's what makes food business successful in London anyway. Yeah, and, and being a showcase for all the best of Britain okay. has to offer because yeah. we ha- do have some amazing producers, amazing. don't Certainly we? do. Mm. A lot of stuff. We, and that, real care as well. Mm. As we've, also got, we've also got producers that we don't really know about that well. So this year we're going to get some sea urchins from the UK. I didn't really know really? we had those, particularly that available. Going to go to Wales soon, see my suppliers there and... You know, and, and spending time and seeing other things. We have some great produce we just don't use. It gets exported, like velvet crabs and lots of products, that, you know, that are dirt cheap over here. We just don't even know about. And they're yeah. fantastic. What's a velvet crab? Velvet crabs are particularly Super nasty crab. little crab that's covered. <laughs> there's a blue crab, but they're covered in a... Brilliant for soup. Yes, yeah, a okay. swimming crab that's covered in a velvet, so they look red. And they're very aggressive. And they, they are, if you just cook them whole, you can actually bite through the shell and suck the meat out. They're amazing. And they make the best this soups. sounds like curry. Curry, huh? Yeah. But, mm. but in, in northern Spain, they're fortunes. Crab. Absolute yeah. fortunes. Whereas here, we'd probably just throw yeah, them Yeah, but they all go to Spain and yeah. they don't travel that well. But, we, you know, we have a lot of great produce. Mm. You know? So, just uh, bringing the uh, programme to a close now. Adam, your thoughts. Uh, tip for what you would say the most, I don't know, trendy... Or well, a new trend for fish that you're seeing? Anything that your top tips for you? Ooh. Cuts of fish or, or different Ooh. species that you think might. Uh, no, I don't. Well, I don't. I just think. I, well, turbot's been a big one this year. Is it <laughs> this oh, summer? Expensive though. Yeah, well, yeah, they've been they've been good they've been good value this year. Yeah. They've been good value this mm. year at the moment. John Dory's becoming ever more popular. I actually, I'm a big smoked mackerel fan. Do you think right. monk, monk liver will take off, Robin? Hmm? Monkfish liver, do you think it will take off? Mm, uh, not. I'm, I struggle with it slightly. No, I, uh, no, not particularly. I think it's my, it will still say so marginal. <laughs> but, uh, One of my well, favourite is dabs, which you hardly oh, ever dabs, see. I love dabs. They're probably all right now, but a lot of the time they very get very rowy, really, yeah, very really rowy, and they yeah. get really sort of thin. Um, well, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a believer in Pollock and all those sort of, I don't like that at all. I won't eat that. Colin. Co- Coley is not bad. Colin. Colin. Co- oh, Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My, no, I always not... remember my grandfather's oh, called oh. Colin. So it's a bit... yeah, yeah, I went to a restaurant when, in France when I had Colin surprise. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was so Pollock. <laughs> Pollock. <laughs> your grandfather's called Colin. Adam, any, any sort of um, <laughs> tips or, or, or predictions for next year in the restaurant scene? Anything that you think might be 
Trendy. Oh, I think it's very difficult to predict now. We are, we are, listen, we are in the epicenter of the world for food and gastronomy Definitely. right now, right now in London. This is it. This is our time. You know, we have the best restaurants in the world. We have the biggest, best food scene. People are traveling here to work here, to cook here. Um, it's incredible to be part of that. And I think anything we do now will just be um, adding to layers and layers to that. And still very international. Think- uh, yeah, I th- it, it is incredible how we've embraced and adopted that international view, and and you know how we can how we can embrace that, and and people just lap it up and do it. It's incredible. I think there will be a continual move towards classical gastronomy and people going back to food they really understand, and chefs doing being a little bit. Chefs are going to be brought into line a little bit, but the economy is going to do that. Yeah, and that's in terms of just not producing food that people don't truly understand. So you've got to cook to your customers. So Ollie, they weren't as difficult as I thought they were going to be. No, they were, they were a bit. Behaved. They were a bit sort of leery when they came in, but they're all right. They've been all right. So you have this ability to bring calm. <laughs> don't I don't like, so. a, like, a, like, a, like a horse whisperer. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, They're going um, clubbing now. Yeah. Yes, um, so thank you so much, um, Adam Byatt, who's a chef breton at Trinity. Thank you. We Very will good. put links uh, to Trinity. If you haven't been there, you really should. My pleasure. Thank you. And um, Robin Moxon of Moxon's and all the variety of things that you're doing at the thank moment. We will much. put links um, to all of those. Fantastic. And if you haven't gone into Fishmonger recently, try it. There's nice Do guys in there who it. will help you. Definitely help you. And thanks again to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. That was really interesting, wasn't it? Really interesting. Good guys. We need guys like this in, in the industry and, and, and people who just we're going to stick to doing amazing quality because that's what gets you through. It does. Eventually. So if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, just like uh, Adam and Robin, please do get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. Or if you want to listen to Ollie. No, you don't do that. <laughs> on our hundreds of podcasts that we've got going back three or four years, go to foodtalk.co.uk. I do hope you have a good week. Bye now. Bye.